Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, a real estate investment program. Listen and learn how to use real estate to build wealth and passive income streams for you and your family. We bring you experts every day to discuss and answer your questions on everything from single-family homes all the way up to 600-plus unit apartment complexes. And now, the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. And on today's show, I've asked Gerard to help me work on your financial freedom. He's a Lifestyles Unlimited member. As a matter of fact, he got started with our organization two months after I did. So Gerard and I actually began around the same timeline. Now, we're, we're different people. Gerard lives on the East Coast. I live in Texas. Gerard got started trying to figure out this retirement stuff in his 30s. Me, I waited until, you know my late 40s, my 50s, before I realized that I had a problem. Gerard, on the other hand, at the age of 37, started realizing that he was just getting a little bit tired of a mediocre lifestyle. I mean, he was looking for something more effective for his life. He wanted something that was getting him closer to what he envisioned retirement being, what a successful career looked like. And as Gerard was doing, you know, the day-to-day business of working in corporate America, he just kind of realized one day that he wasn't getting any closer to where he was trying to get to. So he started researching different avenues. And at the ripe old age of 39, he became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. Now, let me tell you what Gerard has done in the last four years. Okay. Now I want you to understand this is a man who is in his early forties. I also want you to understand he is completely retired. That means he was able to step away from corporate America and he's doing what he chooses to do because four years ago, he made an informed decision to stop doing what he had been doing and take a different approach. How about if I just give you the results that Gerard experiences today? You ready for it? He no longer wakes up to an alarm clock. No, unless unless he has something very important he wants to do, that alarm clock is out of the picture. He no longer spends three hours a day commuting to and from work with, you know, 30,000 other people that are trying to do the exact same thing. He bought back his time from corporate America. Yes, he did. He replaced his W-2 income. That's, that's the income you're working for when you're trading time for money. That's what W-2 income is. He replaced it two and a half years. You heard me correctly. Two and a half years after he made his first investment in real estate. Now, you think, you think that's enough? Oh, it gets better. Stick around because he tripled his net worth four years after making that first investment. So think about it. In four years, he tripled his net worth. What have you done with your net worth over the last four years? And I I know the stock market's doing okay, but I think Gerard's got a better result. And here's, here's my favorite thing. This is the favorite thing that Gerard is enjoying with his new and improved lifestyle. He's living more and he's stressing a whole lot less. 
man, I just I want to find out how you did this. Hey, Al. Thanks for having me on the show today. I'm really happy to be here, share my story. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to hear your story. So correct me if I'm wrong, but in your 30s, you were slugging it out in corporate America. I mean, you were you were on a fast track, weren't you? I was. You know, I worked for 17 years in corporate America. And like you mentioned earlier in the intro, I wasn't really achieving the results I was hoping for. It was just mediocre results. And, you know, I was putting a lot of time and effort into my job, and I was commuting three hours a day, and it was wearing me out. And so my return on time wasn't great. I was living in New York where cost of living is high. So after paying all my bills at the end of the month, there really wasn't much spending money left to enjoy with my family. I was living for the weekends because I was working Monday through Friday. So it wasn't the ideal lifestyle, but I couldn't compare it to anything else because I didn't know any other way. So what exactly were you doing for a living in corporate America? I started my career uh, working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street. And I was a phone clerk um, interacting with our traders on our institutional trading desk and relaying uh, information to our stockbrokers who then would go into these large crowds and, and execute a buy and sell orders. It's a very fast-paced, hectic environment. Um, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, watching markets and ordering, uh, monitoring order flow and a lot of stress, a lot of pressure in that type of work. Over time, I noticed how the industry began to become more electronic. Over time, it meant that the middlemen were being cut out, and there were a lot of uh, job losses and also mergers and acquisitions. In, in 2008, I was a victim of downsizing and uh, you know, was out of work for the first time in my life at 30 years old. So, Gerard, I, I got to ask you the question, man. What was it like growing up? I mean, were you were you being taught what success looked like? And if so, what were they teaching you? Well, Al, like a lot of members, um, you know, I came from a middle-class family, and I was taught to get good grades in school, which I was able to accomplish. I, I went to a prestigious college and, and got a degree and was taught, you know, get a good job so you can make a living and earn money and save, save, save. You know, make sure you put money and max out that 401k. And, you know, one day you'll have a nice pile of cash after working for 35 or 40 or even 45 years. Um, you know, my dad was a dentist, self-employed. So, you know, he if he didn't work, he wasn't making money. So it was a little bit different, but he never, uh, you know, encouraged me. He said, like, you have to become an entrepreneur, become self-employed. You know, when I had that opportunity to work on Wall Street, you know, he encouraged it. it. You know, it was through a family member who had their own accounting consulting firm and had their books, they had books of like many businesses and stockbrokers, and that was how I got my in and worked there four summers through college and then for seven to eight years after that. I didn't know any other way to uh, to, to make money besides working a job. And so when I saw the results were not really, you know, increasing at the rate that I was hoping for, I researched other ways to make money and to have a better lifestyle. So is it safe to, to say you're a recovering stockbroker? I mean, can, can we say that on the air? Yeah. A recovering stock investor would be fair. Okay. 
All right. So, man, I'm just I'm just kind of taking a step back and, and I'm just trying to imagine what it's like to be in that fast paced environment of the stock market. I mean, I mean, I've, I've seen it on TV and it's just, it's, it's nuts. What, I mean, can you, can you explain to us what it's like being on that trading floor? It is nuts. I mean, there's lots of people there and, you know, there's people communicating, you know, yelling over other people because, you know, they have sizable orders that need to get executed and there's lots of demands from the traders. And if, you know, the traders don't get what they want, they will, you know, they'll talk down on you because, you know, floor traders and employees are basically the bottom of the totem pole. You know, it's the sales guys and the traders are the ones who, who make most of the money. They, you know, it's their world. But the environment on the floor, I mean, you've just got people running around everywhere because they've got they've got orders to execute. They've got markets that are constantly changing that they need to communicate to their clerks who have to relay that to their, you know, traders at their firm on, their, on those trading desks. It's quite hectic. And you can burn out very quickly. I, I've seen it happen to people there where they don't have no. as long as, as a, of a career as, as they would have hoped because health issues or, or you know, other issues. It, it's it's got to be like running a marathon every day. I mean, the, the the physical drain on your body to do that must be just intense. It is because you have, there are no seats there. You, I mean, you're required to stand from basically 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning until the market closes at 4 p.m. So it is very demanding um, physically, like you said. And luckily, I did that in my 20s when... You know, I was in physically good shape, but I, I saw guys who were in their 40s, 50s, and 60s still, you know, walking around every day from post to post and executing their orders. And I, I don't know how they did it. Very no, stressful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably one of those things where, you know, they've conditioned themselves that they, they just have to do it because otherwise there's no other way to bring income into the household, right? Right. So in that 17 years that you spent in that that stock industry, how high up the corporate ladder were you able to get? I would say midway through uh, the corporate ladder. Uh, at, the, at the last company I worked at, I think I had left with um, with a designation of vice president, and I think there were two levels above that at the executive director and managing director. You know, for it changes from company to company, but I do remember that when I announced that I was going to be leaving. And it was around, you know, yearly compensation time. Um, I wasn't given, I was due for a promotion. And it's funny, the day that I, my last day of work, um, my supervisor said, well, we, we were going to promote you to, you know, this, this vice president level, but we couldn't do it at the time that the compensation numbers came out because you told us you were leaving. So just a little tidbit about, you know, corporate America, there's a lot of politics and, you know, it, did, it didn't really matter much to me about the title. You know, I was excited to to move on and work in a new career and not knowing what that was going to be. There was a lot of unknowns at the time, and I just knew that going back to corporate America was not my first choice. So how, how did you wean off of that, in, that stock trading world and into real estate? I mean, did you just like divest yourself overnight and and just start buying real estate or did you have a strategy that you laid out so before i left corporate america al uh, i started to i got i think it was in 2015 i began uh, listening to 
a real estate investing podcast, and I started to uh, buy and read real estate investing books. Um, also joined a coaching program before I joined Lifestyles Unlimited. And I remember clearly the day that I stopped contributing to my 401k, where I went from 18% of paycheck to zero. And I didn't tell anybody about it because you know, I was afraid. People would think, like, are you crazy that you're not you know, putting money into the 401k? That's, that's what everybody does. Yeah, I mean, so that's I started mindset, to really, right? yeah, yeah, that's a mind, mind shift change. And that was early in 2016. And then later in 2016, I had formed a relationship and learned more about Turnkey, a single family turnkey company in Memphis. And I got on their investor list. And, you know, maybe took six months or so for deals to come through as people are higher up on the list, you know, find deals and, and, and buy those deals. Now you move up the list. And me and a partner bought a single family property together. Uh, it is our first investment. And that was in late 2016 going off about $200 a month cash flow. But that was a stepping stone. And that was before, that was while I was still in corporate America, while I was still living in New York, and before you know, I really knew anything about Lifestyles Unlimited. So you've been listening to Del Wamsley on the radio. He's been sharing information about how you can change your life. You've made a decision, even though you are immersed in the, the stock world, you've made a decision to step away from the stock world and actually start investing in a different asset class called real estate. So here's the thing. Everybody around the water coolers looking at Gerard and going, he is nuts. This is not going to work. And ironically, four years later, it worked extremely well. We come back from the break. We're going to get into the details of how he got it done. Stick around. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a part of Lifestyles Unlimited? Del Wamsley tells you what to expect when you join us for the next live online free workshop. We've been here for 30 years. Over 30 years, we've had and or do have roughly 50,000 plus members all over the United States. We have retired tens of thousands of people and it's just incredible what you're gonna find that you're gonna be in here. Not only are you gonna find the greatest amount of information and education, you're gonna find the people, the most open people you've ever met in your entire life. Come meet the people at Lifestyles Unlimited who will help you change your life and empower you to stop depending on a paycheck, your 401k, IRA, or social security for your future. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. At the free workshop, we'll teach you the five ways to make money with real estate, cash flow, equity capture, appreciation, equity buildup, and the tax advantages. Like Dell says, we'll open our books and show you how the numbers work with both single-family and multi-family case studies. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show will change your life. We will teach you how to create wealth and passive income so you can be financially free. And now, back to your host. Welcome back to the show. All right, Gerard, let's get into the details. You want to? Yeah, I'm ready, Al. Let's do it. Okay, so 2016, you partner up with a with a buddy of yours. You buy your first piece of real estate. It's it's throwing off $200 of cash flow. I mean, at this point, have you in your mind solidified that this is the avenue you're going to take? Yes, but the plan changed from then until now. I had a plan then of 
just investing in single-family properties, in turnkey properties, in a few different markets throughout the country, and investing with him. So, you know, I was running numbers to see what they would look like. And then it turns out that after my wife and I came up with this plan to move to Cary, North Carolina, where we knew the quality of life would be better than New York and the cost of living would be much lower than living in New York, um, that plan changed. And we scrapped that plan of buying single-family properties as, as the primary goal. After attending a two-day seminar, one month after moving to Cary, I learned that apartment investing was the better choice for me, for my situation of not having a W-2 job, knowing that I could qualify for a loan based on the income of the business and not having a W-2 pay stub for the lender. And I was all in with investing in apartments. Where did you get the money to invest with? The first thing I did, Al, was I liquidated my 401k. I did that after I joined Lifestyles in 2017. That was the seed money that I needed to go after my first apartment deal. And there was still money left in, in IRAs that I had. Um, early in 2018, that's when I decided to take a distribution from that, even knowing that there was going to be uh, you know, 10% penalty for early withdrawal. But I didn't want to defer, you know, defer life. I wanted to go for it now instead of waiting 20 years, become 59 and a half withdraw the money then, and then there would be no penalty. And it's, it's more than worked out in a few short years. So I had now had seed money from IRAs and 401ks to go after uh, my first investment. And in 2018, I wound up getting into eight deals total between single family, uh, my first IRO deal, which is a multifamily deal, and then four passive deals. So at this point, how much time are you spending on this real estate business? I mean, if you've got eight different apartments that you're invested in, you must be spending a lot of extra time managing those, right? The passive deals, I'm not. There's no time requirement at all. I'm letting the the, uh, the lead investors taking care of that for me, so I don't have to worry about that. I mean, the most time I'm spending is on my, you know, in 2018 it was on my multifamily IRO deal. I did have third party management. But I, I basically just managed the manager, and when I went in there and uh, re did some rehabs on the interiors, I would ma I would project manage those. Um, I would project manage when there was a work to be done there because I felt like I could get it done faster and cheaper than the property manager. So, I, and I felt like I needed to do a little bit of uh, work in my free time. So, uh, it worked out very well. So you've got eight different apartments that you're invested in as a passive investor, meaning you're letting somebody else do all the work, but you're still cashing the checks. And you decided to buy what we call IROs or independent rental operator properties. In other words, a property that you own all by yourself with your, your family, nobody else included, correct? That's correct. Okay. So why go after these IRO properties? Why not just continue down the path of passively investing? What, what was it about the IRO properties that, that caught your eye and, and made you understand that that needed to be a part of your portfolio? Well, number one, I wanted to have control over the asset and having complete 100% control, you know, meant that I was going to, you know, take a deal down myself. I would be able to get what I felt like better returns than I would, you know, get in, in a passive deal. Remember, so I'm, I'm not working at this time. You know, I wanted to replace W-2 income that I was not getting anymore after uh, I, I quit work in 2017. The first IRO property I bought was uh, middle of 2018. It was a 16-unit, uh, fully occupied property with rents below market. So there's some opportunity to go in there 
and uh, you know, increase rents, increase value, handle some deferred maintenance issues, and just um, really go in there and, and take care of problems. So that's been my, my bread and butter deal. It's my first deal. I've owned it for three and a half years, and I'm under contract to sell that deal currently. What is it like to take ownership of a piece of property that isn't doing very well, knowing full well that you can turn that property around and you can bring back its glory days and really make it a beautiful place for people to call home and compare that to being in the pits of the trading floor? Wow. It's like night and day out. I mean, it's just been such a great confidence booster. You know, it feels great to hear, you know, residents say, you know, this apartment is gorgeous and to know that I was able to put my footprint on it and, and, you know, spend the money to make it a really nice place for them to live and to, you know, command higher rent, affordable rent. Yeah. I mean, just compared to working in the pits and there, there is no comparison because like you're getting beaten down every day, not just physically, but mentally by traders who things don't go the way they want. They've got to blame somebody. So that's the difference between, you know, working in corporate America and, and working as a, as a real estate investor, just complete mindset shift. Even the most stressful piece of real estate investing can't be even close to the stress you experienced in the, in trading stocks. No, real estate is a team sport. So if there's a problem, there's going to be someone on the team that can, you know, we can put our minds together and, and solve the problem. I don't know, in, in corporate America, there's, there's not as much control. If you're sort of bottom of the barrel, you don't really get to be part of those important decisions. Someone else is going to have the control and make those decisions for you or for the firm. So it's like night and day being involved, you know, working in corporate America in the stock market versus being an apartment investor in real estate. So last Christmas, you went and got yourself another apartment community, did you not? Yes, I did. What'd you get? I got an 11 unit. Santa was good. And what I was able to do, which I failed to mention in the last segment, was the first deal, the 16 unit here in North Carolina. I was able to do a cash out refinance last August. And I was able to take those proceeds and use those proceeds for the down payment for an 11 unit uh, townhome property in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And that was my Christmas gift last December. Completely different property from the first one. This was a yield play. So going in there, rents were significantly higher than they were on the first deal because prior ownership had rehabbed the property from soup to nuts. So the interiors looked great, good-looking product, and it was commanding very high rents for the market. In almost one year of ownership, I've been able to increase rents 5%, and we're still below market rates. So there is, there is great opportunity to bump rents at least $125 to $150 on, on turns. So it just provides a very solid opportunity for income growth and value growth. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm listening to all of this and I'm going, this is pretty cool because you, you took money that had been invested in those, those retirement accounts, those 401ks, those IRAs, and you went and bought yourself a 16 unit. Not only did you improve that 16 unit, you pulled a bunch of money out of that property, all tax free because you did cash out refinance, right? Right. Yes. So now you got this big bag of money. Come on, man. Didn't you want to go buy jet skis or a boat or something like that? I want to take all my buddies to Vegas and party. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm cool with that. Hey, I, I'll go with you. you. Is that an invite? <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the next refi, Al. <laughs> it's 
all good, baby. It's all good. So, but this, this is the beauty of all this. You didn't have to go out and find another big bag of money. You basically created a bag of money by buying that 16 unit and by repositioning it in the marketplace and improving it, you were able to take money out of that property, but that property is still producing cash flow for you. And now you bought an 11 unit, which is a completely different kind of property that still has the ability to produce great returns for you, even though it's a different type of real estate. I think that is so cool. Yeah. You know, Al, I just decided it, I, I wanted to follow the map and repurpose the debt equity that was in the first deal and pull it out. It wasn't the maximum, you know, refinance proceeds I could have done, but you know, this was also during COVID and I, the bank that was, that was servicing the loan from the onset from closing, you know, was able to provide strong enough terms for me to, you know, move forward with the refinance, pull that debt equity out, and then use that, repurpose it to buy the next IRO deal. It's it's not the biggest deal, eleven units, but it's a, it's in a great market. It's captured in the Charlotte MSA, and Charlotte is growing leaps and bounds right now. We have just tons of population growth in North and South Carolina. Rock Hill, which is only thirty five minutes drive to Charlotte, is is a great market as well with job growth and rent growth. And I'm excited about this property one year into ownership. So you're, you're selling the first property, correct? I mean, it is, or, or have you sold it or are you selling where, where are we at with that first property? I am under contract to sell it. If, if all works out, fingers crossed, it should close in the middle of December. And I'm looking to do 1031 exchange and use those proceeds to um to buy something bigger and better. Hopefully, anywhere between a twenty-four to a, a thirty-six unit property with larger cash flow, and I'll be able to defer the tax by taking advantage of the ten thirty-one exchange uh, IRS code. What what does that do for you? Well, it allows me to defer the taxes now, um, and if I were to hold this property, you know, up until the time I pass, then there would be a step up in basis. Um, and my heirs would not be subject to the taxes on that property. Yeah. I think, you know, that 1031 is a really neat thing that exists in our tax code. And I've, I've had the opportunity to take advantage of it myself. And I think the beautiful thing is it allows you to keep all of your gains and to move those gains onto the follow-on property without eroding right. those gains by having to pay the taxes that would be due. Now, technically, the taxes are still due. You've just made an arrangement with the government to move that liability onto the new property. Yeah, like kicking the can down the road. Yeah. So, I mean, if if, if you're going from like a 16 unit to maybe a 24 or a 30 unit, what, what does that do for you from like maybe a, a cash flow position? Does does that benefit you? Does that create a problem for you? What are you thinking? Well, it, it, it creates a benefit because a larger property should throw off larger cash flow. So my goal is to find a property that would be able to command 2000 to $3,000 more a month cash flow by being able to execute this 1031 exchange. And so now that allows my monthly cash flow to increase, which is a great benefit. You know, my goal is to exceed $10,000 a month passive income by hopefully the first quarter next year. And the only way to get there is to find a larger cash flow property than the one that I'm about to sell. So it's really just a part of a, a grander strategy that you have to eliminate certain assets and trade them in for assets that have better potential for returns for you. 
Correct. Plus, there's a lot of equity trapped in the property I'm selling right now, and I'd like to get that put that equity to good use in buying a bigger, better cash flow property. So what does it feel like knowing that you're providing the best product at the best price and attracting the best people to your properties? It's an incredible feeling. You know, there there's a good amount of work to, to have a strategy, to, you know, know how to make the right improvements based on what, you know, properties in the submarket are doing. I can't think of a better way to be a business owner and command cash flow. I mean, this is way different than working in the stock market and trying to make money off investments. How much time are you spending a week managing your real estate business? Less than 10 hours a week. I mean, it could be five to 10 hours a week. I include property visits as part of my time when I go out to my real estate investments. I don't have to be there often because I do have third-party management, but I do like to see the asset and see how people live. I will go out there and go out there and just, you know, pick up trash and just see what's going on out there. And when residents see me, they love to come to me and, and voice their concerns. Let me know what type of improvements they're looking for or what kind of concerns they have. So I always have an open ear for them. I love it, Gerard. I love it. I love the fact that you've radically changed your life and now life is just what you want it to be. Folks, you can do this too. You can do exactly what Gerard did, but you have to get started. Now more intel to build a better lifestyle from Dell Wamsley. Number one way that we make money in real estate is through something called equity capture. Equity captures the fact that I can go buy a house worth $100,000 and it, it would appraise for $100,000, but I could still buy it right now for 80,000 bucks. So I'm instantly making $20,000. So let's say I put uh, 20% down on a $100,000 house, that's 20,000. I made $20,000 gain on a $20,000 investment. That's a 100% rate of return instantly. Now. It's not realized because I have to be able to get that extra 20000 out of there either by refinancing it out or by selling the property. But the gain has been made. An equivalency way to see this is if you could go to your stockbroker and go, you know, I'm thinking about buying some Microsoft stock. I would like to buy $100 worth of it, but I'd like you to buy that $100 worth of stock at $80 for me. I don't want you to buy it for $80. I need you to buy it for me. 20% below what market value is the day you buy it. That's what equity capture is. And if you want to find out how we invest in real estate, go to freeworkshoplivestream.com. And remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. Join us next time. And until then, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle.
information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.